Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Ontario's NDP leader tells us she would kill the Greenbelt housing plan pronto. Guelph's mayor is pleading for more infrastructure, not Greenbelt homes. More politicians are throwing darts at the Bank of Canada. When is this heat wave going to subside? I chat with another Lionslayer finalist and we introduce you to Angry Angus. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. So Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, says he is going to reevaluate the sites involved in the Greenbelt land swap as part of a, an overarching review. I've asked my new Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing to launch this review and as part of this process, reevaluate the remaining land swap sites. These sites, these proposals, will have to survive on their own merit. Let me remind you that this comes after Ontario's Auditor General and the Integrity Commissioner both said that this process was rushed and flawed. A big no-no. Now opposition leaders saying, well, this review is going to lead to even more Greenbelt lands being opened up in the future. One of those is joining us now here on Good Morning Hamilton. Marit Stiles is the leader of the Ontario NDP. Good morning, Ms. Stiles. How are you today? Good morning. I'm I'm great. Good to be here. What a mess. What a, I'm not surprised, but what a mess. What a mess. Yeah, what a mess. It's, so, it's a, it was a dirty deal. Yeah. Why do you believe that this review is going to lead to even more Greenbelt lands being opened up? Well, because when the uh, Premier, when they got into the details yesterday, when he was pushed by reporters, it became clear that not only is he going to, you know, now review uh, the existing deals that have been made, but he's going to throw all these other applications in there. You know, we'll look at the merits of, you know, 700, 800 other applications uh, to by developers to carve up the different parts of the Greenbelt. So, um, you know, to me, what he's done here is he's dug in, and absolutely what he's doing is opening up the whole Greenbelt for further development. And this isn't the first time he's hinted that that's what he wanted to do. But I think, you know, it's pretty clear he's not getting the message uh, that Ontarians are sending him. And uh, I want to say also, you know, this review that he's proposing, it's just going to be a colossal waste of our time and our money. Well, I, I, yeah, I heard and I read the other day that it's going to take like two years to do this, which means in that two-year time span, n- nothing right. really is happening. That's right. Those developers can keep moving forward, right? So these dirty deals that were done with developers who have connections to the Conservative Party, to, to Mr. Ford, to Mr. Clark, uh, and despite these two massive uh, independent reviews done by you know these watchdogs that are independent of the legislature, um, despite all of that, those those developers are going to get to go to move forward. Nothing's stopping them. And and also, they're going to now look at, okay, well, let's assess all these other potential projects. So he learned nothing. He doesn't care. He wants to barrel forward because at the end of the day, it has only ever been about making some very wealthy people a lot more money. And let me tell you, this is not and has never been about housing. And I think people in Ontario get that. And especially, in, you know, folks in like Hamilton, people understand that, that this was a, a corrupt, not just a corrupt process, but it was the wrong direction from the beginning. NDP leader Marit Stiles joining us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML as we take a deep dive into this Greenbelt land swap review that was announced by Ontario Premier Doug Ford. We are also hearing from many municipalities in this province. We, we just talked mm-hmm. a few minutes ago to Guelph Mayor Cam Guthrie that we, we don't need Greenbelt lands opened up. We need more infrastructure. What do you say to that? That's right. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with Mayor Guthrie. This is 
um, a, you know, I mean, the problem with the green belt development is that most of these land, including especially the ones that they've already identified, made deals for, um, are being built in places where we don't have the infrastructure. So what that means is that, you know, somebody, uh, and it's going to be municipalities, are going to have to pay to build the sewers and the roads and all of that infrastructure that you need to feed these these new developments, this, this additional sprawl. That's why municipalities have worked so hard to make sure that we're we're doing this in a smart way. We're building the housing we really desperately need, but within our existing uh, towns, cities, because because we know we can service them better and more efficiently, right? It costs us less. So this is going to end up on taxpayers' backs, right, to pay for all of this. Absolutely. And that's what the mayor knows uh, better than anyone. So, you know, when Doug Ford says, oh, these developers, they're going to build all that infrastructure, that's just baloney. That never works that way, and it won't work that way. Um, these guys are going to make billions of dollars on these land swaps. And at the end of the day, I don't believe that housing will be built, uh, and it certainly won't be the affordable housing that we really need. We only got 30 seconds, and I hate talking into hypotheticals, but if, if we had a provincial yeah. election tomorrow, and let's just say Marit Stiles is the new premier-elect, is job number one to cancel this Green Belt plan? Absolutely, without question. And can I just say, our number one ask of the government right now is recall the legislature right now, today. We have legislation ready to reverse that Greenbelt deal. Let's get it done. Martin Stiles, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Ms. Stiles is the leader of the Ontario NDP. I'll refresh your memory as well. On yesterday's poll question of the day, we asked you, should the Premier scrap his plan to build homes on the Greenbelt? 85% of you said yes. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You heard from the Premier, Doug Ford, announcing a sweeping review of the Greenbelt land swap. He is going to get to the bottom of what went down. I've asked my new Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing to launch this review and as part of this process, reevaluate the remaining land swap sites. These sites, these proposals will have to survive on their own merit. You will recall that not only Ontario's Auditor General, but also the Integrity Commissioner said this whole process was rushed. It was flawed. They looked at developers and they gave many of them special treatment. Now, when we're talking about housing, we're talking about building these homes on greenbelt lands that are should be used for farming, should, should remain protected. However, Guelph Mayor Cam Guthrie sent out a great tweet the other day that and basically said it's not land that's needed to address the housing issue. It is infrastructure. Here's his tweet. The provincial government's own housing affordability task force made it clear that the grain belt shouldn't be touched, nor was it necessary for housing. Just put it back. We need infrastructure. Cities have been saying this over and over again. Help us unlock existing lands inside our built up boundaries instead of on lands never intended for housing. This would be an immediate win for everyone, especially the person or family begging for a home. Cam Guthrie is the mayor of the city of Guelph and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mayor Guthrie, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I want to say amen to your message. Uh, this, resonate, <laughs> this resonates with me and I think many Ontarians. We have, and we've heard it over and over again, enough land right now that is zoned properly, that is ready for development, that is not being developed, and you hit the nail on the head. We need infrastructure to help us get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I 
I'm only saying and repeating what myself and uh, fellow mayors and, and, and others across the province have been saying for four years. And there is, there is already m- many pieces of land that are within our built boundaries of our cities that all they require is more infrastructure, the servicing that would then unlock all of those lands to be able to provide housing. And uh, we, we have a role to play. Municipalities have a role to play in that. But if the crisis is as real as everyone uh, says it is, and we all know it is, then upper levels of government, including the province specifically, should be partnering with municipalities to have help for infrastructure to unlock those lands. And we can get going immediately. And I, I, I do want to say it's frustrating that we don't get the urgency around the infrastructure piece uh, handled as quickly as trying to do everything else around the edges, uh, when this is really the main thing that would help us. We've heard time and time again from the Premier that the goal is to build one and a half million homes in 10 years, which to me is a pipe dream. We've never done that in our history, and with a skilled labor shortage, I don't think we're going to get there, not even close. Why do you think the government is opting to build on the Greenbelt? Well, I think the Premier and, and, and others, you know, this is just my opinion, are, are, are grasping for anything that they can to actually try to build homes. But they're doing it in a way where it's not necessary. And, you know, as you read out my tweet there, I, I, I'm not making this stuff up. This, they, they asked for their own housing affordability task force. And that expert panel of people put together uh, a 55-point plan to help unlock housing as quickly as possible. And it specifically said on page 10 of the Housing Affordability Task Force report, don't touch the green belt. Don't touch agricultural land. It's not needed. Uh, it's not required. There's more than enough land. So they were given this task force report, and then they, they it's like they completely ignored page 10 of the report. And frankly, a lot of municipalities are saying they're ignoring many other pages within the report as well. We have all, all municipalities have signed up for our pledges to meet the required amount of housing we want to do. So it's not like any of the municipalities are, are putting up a fight here. We all recognize the crisis, but like, let's put aside all these fringe and around the edges ideas and let's just concentrate on the thing that's so obvious, which is infrastructure to unlock housing. It makes sense. Let's do it. Mayor Guthrie, we're going to go here in, in just a few seconds, but I want to ask you, have you received a response from the province on, on your tweet, on your plea? Uh, I haven't, which is which is fine. I mean, hey, it's social media. I'm not expecting them to do it through those channels, but I am expecting to have great conversations with the new minister. And actually, I'm very, very happy to hear that uh, Minister Calandra is going to be the new minister. And so I look forward to having those discussions with him. Uh, and anybody else that wants to actually focus on putting shovels in the ground as quickly as possible. We definitely got to get there. Mayor Guthrie, thank you for your time this morning. You're welcome. Take care. You too. That's Cam Guthrie. He is the mayor of the city of Guelph and uh, obviously had some things to say in terms of building within that city, 
They need infrastructure, just like Hamilton does, just like Toronto does, just like London does, just like Ottawa does, and on and on and on. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Thank you, Canada, scheduled to announce its latest decision on interest rates today. Central Bank has, as you know, aggressively raised its key rate 10 times since March of last year to get a hold on decades-high inflation, and that includes uh, raising... It's uh, raising the rate in its last two meetings in June and July in response to a a relatively hot economy. Now, the economy is showing some signs of slowing down, which is good. Most forecasters are also convinced that the bank is going to hold the line today and keep its uh, key lending rate at 5%, which is the highest it's been since 2001. And I'm sure that's going to be music to the ears of Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who recently joined the Premier in B.C., in urging the Bank of Canada, actually running a letter to the Bank of Canada, urging the central bank to stop raising interest rates. Ontarians, Canadians, feeling it. I should note that the federal government does help set the mandate for the Bank of Canada, but the Bank of Canada makes its monetary policy decisions independently. They don't get a report from the federal government to say, all right, this is what we're going to do. Dr. Mike Moffitt is the founding director of Place Center at Smart Prosperity Institute and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Moffitt, good morning. Welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. What do you make of politicians like Doug Ford who are wading into an area that I think they shouldn't be? Yeah, I don't think this is very helpful at all. And unfortunately, this isn't new. We saw uh, Premier McGuinty uh, make similar comments uh, about a decade ago when when Ontario manufacturing was struggling. And the reason why this is so harmful is we can look back to the 1970s. Um, Back then in the United States, right before the 1972 election, uh, the Nixon administration put a significant amount of political pressure on the Federal Reserve uh, to keep interest rates low and keep the economy hot right before the 1972 election. And what what that ended up causing was the sort of great inflation of the 1970s that uh, set off at 1973. So because of that, we we tend to want our politicians to to weigh out uh, weigh out of these things because they're always going to want interest rates to be lower. And that risks setting off a, a wave of inflation. So that's why we have this system of checks and balances where politicians are supposed to stay out of the sort of day-to-day operations of the Bank of Canada. Another example of a politician uh, getting into this debate, and he's, he's done this for well, at least the better part of a year, is Pierre Poiliev, the federal conservative leader, who said he'd, he'd fire Tiff Macklem as uh, the Bank of Canada governor, although I'm not sure how that would affect anything uh, that the Bank of Canada does. I don't really see so either. And there's a bit of an irony here that most of the things that uh, Polyev uh, has criticized, and I think rightfully so, to be honest, um, are things that were done by Stephen Pelos, the, the previous uh, governor of the Bank of Canada. So it's, you know, kind of doubly problematic where you're talking about firing a guy for the things that the previous guy did. So, you know, I think there's absolutely room to talk about uh, what the the mandate of the Bank of Canada should be. I think there's absolutely a lot of room to talk about the role that governments themselves play in economic conditions and inflation. But again, I, I don't think it's helpful for politicians to weigh into these debates because, again, they're always going to want interest rates to be lower, and that's going to you know that that risks inflation. To me, you know, the, those like Premier Ford and uh, the Premier in BC who actually you know physically wrote a letter to the Bank of Canada. 
to me, it's just it sounds like they just want to score some political points because everyone under the sun is like, hey, stop raising interest rates. And they're trying to capitalize on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll notice that these letters came out basically after the market started predicting uh, that uh, we wouldn't have a rate hike today. Yeah. So they're almost like, you know, getting in front of the parade and pretending that they're leading it. Right. Because now when the Bank of Canada doesn't raise rates and it looks like they're not going to, they can take some credit for that. And again, I think that's problematic uh, as well. So I'd just like to see them stay out of the whole thing. Absolutely. Dr. Mike Moffitt is our guest, founding director of Place Center at Smart Prosperity Institute. And we're talking about today's uh, scheduled announcement for the Bank of Canada on interest rates. So you mentioned uh, a rate hike is not expected today. Why not? What are we seeing within the economy that suggests that the central bank will hold the line at 5%? Well, I think the biggest data point that we had was the GDP data that uh, came out uh, late last week on on Friday that showed that basically the Canadian economy didn't grow at all in the second quarter, actually shrank slightly. Um, And on a per capita basis, it actually went down a fair bit because our our population is growing. So markets took that as a signal that uh, the Bank of Canada is going to do, you know, wait and see that it really does seem like the economy is, is cooling off on its own. So that's not to suggest that we might not have a rate increase this year, but I think the bank is looking at the conditions and saying, okay, we don't really necessarily need to act right away. Let's wait a couple months, see what happens to inflation, unemployment, all these other data points. And then if we have to do something you know, closer to Halloween, we, we can do that. We are approaching the fall months of, uh, of this year. There has been talk for months now about an impending recession are there any signs or, or triggers that have been hit that suggest that one is definitely on the way? I, I certainly wouldn't say definitely, but, uh, the, you know, the data is suggesting that the economy is slowing down. Uh, again, we had a small but negative GDP print uh, for second quarter. Technically speaking, if we have another one uh, three months from now, that would be technically be a recession. So it, it, it's certainly possible. And, and the Bank of Canada has to worry about that. And that's the sort of tightrope uh, that the Bank of Canada or any central bank has to walk with their interest rates, that if they don't do enough on them, if they're not aggressive enough, then you know inflation is going to pop its head back. But if they go too far, they risk throwing the economy into a recession. And it seems that right now they're, they're, there's a little bit more recession risk than there is inflation risk. Always a great chat with Dr. Mike Moffitt, founding director of the Place Center at Smart Prosperity Institute. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. That is uh, Dr. Moffitt uh, weighing in on what the Bank of Canada is expected to do today and how politicians, let's wrap them on the knuckles, how they're trying to capitalize politically on impending announcement today that suggests, by all accounts, that nothing is going to be done with the key lending rate will remain at 5%, but we'll get that announcement officially from the Bank of Canada later on this morning. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Getting up to a high of 31, feeling like 41. Right now it does feel like 30 with the humidity factored in. How much longer are we going to have to deal with these red hot conditions? Let's bring in CHML weather specialist Jay McQueen here on GMHJ. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good, Rick. How are you? I'm good. I, I hear you're playing dad and dropping the kids off at school this morning. Yeah, the uh, the bell goes at like 8.15, and it's just a mob scene here. And <laughs> <laughs> everyone's trying to figure out if they're in the right line and find their teachers and pylons all over the place. And then, uh, and then, then you know, so it's, yeah, it's a little... Uh, 
that the uh, producer asked me, do you have your radio on in the background? I'm like, come on, I know better than to have my radio on in the background. <laughs> you know, it's kids yelling and, and uh, you know, all the excitement in the air here. Yeah, what grades are they going in this year? Uh, four and one. Nice. Big yeah, years, so big years. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, it, we finally, they finally start on the same day because the kindergarten started a little later. So Yeah, yeah that's, that's always a plus. Uh, so yesterday we hit 30.3 degrees Celsius at the Hamilton Airport at 2 p.m. Actually, 0.3 degrees higher than the temperature record for yesterday of 30.0 set back in 1971. So the heat wave is on. What is causing this blast of hot air? Well, we've got this uh, high-pressure or heat dome uh, happening over the uh, southern United States, and uh, it's sort of uh, blocking uh, all the other weather influences from you know taking over and uh, ushering any cooler northern Canadian air into our area, and and actually keeping us uh, fairly dry at the same time. And so, uh, this heat dome, so to speak, is. Uh, supposed to break down uh, later uh, tonight, and uh, so this should be the uh, last day of the heat warning from Environment Canada. Uh, the humidity will stick around, uh, but the uh, temperatures that are around 30 will be uh, done after today. How does a heat dome form and stay? Is it just a matter of the system just getting stalled? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you've got... Uh, uh, atmospheric conditions are right so that uh, it essentially blocks out anything else from being able to uh, infiltrate, uh, you know, southern Ontario while in much of the United States. And uh, it's one of those patterns that gets locked in, and sometimes these things hang out for a while, and they, and they uh, sort of take precedence over everything else. And uh, and there you go. We're we're in this these patterns that uh, stick around for a bit, and, and now uh, we're we're coming to the end of that. Fortunately for some people, and some people like the heat, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, a lot of us could use the relief. <laughs> yeah, the, the the relief is in sight. We'll get to that in a second. We're chatting about this uh, latest heat wave with CHML weather specialist Jay McQueen. He'll have an update on the forecast coming up in about uh, 10 minutes time or so uh, to the how much longer question so when is that relief going to come so it should come uh, tonight in the form of a cold front now it's uh, sometimes when you have these uh, uh, cold fronts come through it's it's like a wall and a line of uh, showers and thunderstorms and oftentimes they're uh, they can be really heavy uh, this looks to be kind of more scattered in nature, so uh, not everybody will tonight uh, see some showers and thunderstorms. Um, the areas that do see them, they could be heavy. Uh, we could have some torrential downpours at times as well, and even some hail, uh, but that um, will likely depend on the timing of these storms. And then that'll that'll knock the heat down uh, initially, and so then we're into... Uh, um, Still warm temperatures tomorrow, likely up around 27 still, and Humidex is uh, perhaps as high as into the mid-30s, so you'll still feel sticky out there, and then temperatures will kind of fall from there, uh, a little less muggy and a little less warm on Friday, and then even uh, cooler for us uh, on the weekend. Yeah, coming on the weekend, I mean, the the uh, seasonal high for this time of the year is about 22 degrees or so. It's going to get down to even below that, 21 or 19 uh, by early next week, uh, which is not, you know, out of the ordinary. We see these heat waves in late August, early September all the time. Are we expecting a little bit of a bounce back in terms of the temperature? 
I think uh, what we'll see is we'll see, uh, yeah, you'll see things a little bit more closer to seasonal into next week. Uh, and then, uh, you know, checking the long range, sometimes the computer models, uh, they, they were in agreement on this latest heat wave that were happening. Uh, they, they had agreed that, uh, you know, it was going to stay for a few days and, and hang out and last. Um, but uh, there was some suggestions that there might be another round of heat coming. Uh, but... Um, you know that sort of remains remains to be seen. I think we'll we'll be probably closer to uh, average uh, for uh, into next week. But um, obviously, I can remember uh, times being away in late September and uh, and the heat got cranked up once again. Right, so uh, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't take the window shakers out of the windows just yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, still lots of potential for some uh, some heat coming back here to uh, southern Ontario. All right. Well, relief is on the way, that is for sure. And hopefully the kids aren't too cranky when you pick them up after school. Jay, appreciate the time today. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Rick. CHML Weather Specialist Jay McQueen joining us to talk about this heat wave. By the way, the record temperature high for this day, September the 6th, was set in 2007 when it hit nearly 34, 33.9 degrees Celsius. Today's highs, you heard from Jay, is expected to be around 31. So don't think we're going to get into record-breaking territory today in in terms of the or in terms of the temperature, you're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Lions Lair is celebrating its 13th anniversary on September the 27th. They're going to have a gala presentation, and well, their annual pitch competition comes to a conclusion on that night at Carmen's Banquet Center, bringing together innovators, entrepreneurs, the leaders of tomorrow in this community, in this competition, is providing 10 finalists, 10 would-be winners, really up-and-coming entrepreneurs with resources and training and some cool prizes if they do end up winning to help make their business venture a successful one. They've done it for years. Lions Lair Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park uh, has really vaulted and, and ignited uh, the the resources and the ideas of, of some great individuals in this community and companies in this community to make them bigger and better than ever. And one of the 10 finalists, we, we spoke to the first one yesterday, number two today is AI Valley. This is a software as a service, a SaaS medical device company that is using artificial intelligence to accurately detect the early stages of diseases such as cancer, and to, well, ultimately improve patients' quality of life and cost per patient. This sounds amazing. Azar Azad and Dr. David Armstrong, the CEO and CIO of AI Valley, Inc., who both join us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Azar and David Armstrong, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good. How about yourself? Excellent. Um, Let's talk about AI Valley. How did this idea of using AI in the healthcare industry come to be? Um, Oh, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm David Armstrong. I'm a gastroenterologist at Hamilton Health Sciences in McMaster. And over the years, looking at endoscopy, it's become clear that there are ways to improve the way that we detect lesions, we make diagnoses, and to improve um, agreement between um, endoscopists uh, as, as we move forward. So I had the opportunity to discuss this uh, probably about four years ago with Zara Zad when we were looking at ways to improve endoscopy and we came up with this sort of technology which was to allow real-time reporting during the procedure so that we could improve diagnosis, we could help endoscopists improve their diagnosis and collaborate between each other 
and we will provide ways then to allow artificial intelligence and machine learning to uh, detect lesions and improve uh, outcomes for patients. So either of you can jump on this. How is artificial intelligence helping in this regard? How are you using it? Uh, so we provide a technology, part of the capability of AI, which called computer vision. It looks at every pixel of the images coming from the endoscopy device, analyze it in real time in a very, very fast fraction of the time, and provide feedback based on significant accuracy of uh, the data set that has been trained the algorithm. And it provides that uh, information to the clinicians such as David. David can review and uh, improve the accuracy of final diagnosis. So why enter the lion's lair competition? It sounds like you got a good thing going already. What is the benefit of entering this pitch competition? Uh, so we, uh, we have a significant collaboration with Hamilton Health Science, the hospital, the McMaster University, and we are very grateful for that. At the same time, right now, we are running uh, some clinical trial uh, in Hamilton Health Science too. Uh, this opportunity allows us to not only uh, showcase the value of the Hamilton environment ecosystem in scientific area, but the collaboration. And at the same time, it will allow us uh, to talk with everybody else about the benefits of uh, uh, the AI platform that we built. It's our latest Lion's Lair finalist, one of 10 in this pitch competition. And we're speaking with Azar Azad and Dr. David Armstrong from AI Valley. Dr. Armstrong, what it would what would it mean if you ultimately won this pitch competition? It would be tremendously exciting. I think it would be a validation of the work that we've done up until now. Uh, I think it would also highlight some of the uh, some of the potential benefits of this because we see this as a technology that can be applied in many other areas in healthcare and outside healthcare. So this would allow us to talk to other people who might be interested in this. Um, to raise interest around this because it has huge applicability across the country. Um, and so it's to raise awareness. In, in Canada, for example, there's probably about one and a half to two million procedures done every year. And if we can improve endoscopy across the country and then talk to other countries around that, working from Hamilton and highlight the work that Hamilton and Southern Ontario has done here, it will be tremendously exciting for all of the people that we collaborate with and for the institutions with whom we collaborate. It sounds like AI Valley has a legitimate shot at winning the Lion's Lair competition. You guys are doing some amazing work. I appreciate your time. Good luck on September 27th. Thank you, Thank you very much indeed. We really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. That is Dr. David Armstrong and Azar Azad from AI Valley. Unbelievable. It's, it's, it's amazing to think and to hear and to learn about some of the incredible things that are happening in Hamilton. That Yesterday with Second Skin Society, today with AI Valley, two very worthy winners, I would think, of Lion's Lair. We still have eight more finalists to go. Lion's Lair Gala, Carmen's Banquet Center, September 27th. You can go online to lionslayer.ca to buy your tickets, get a table, get in on the fun, contribute to the cause. Uh, it should be a nice night. And we'll have the wrap-up show the following day, September 28th, with Shona Thompson broadcasting live from Innovation Factory with some of the winners and some of the movers and shakers from the Lion's Lair. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. So I met a new friend in uh, New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. As you know, I took a trip out east with the family. 
uh, last month, and it was absolutely fantastic. New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI. Now, we were primarily based in Nova Scotia. And uh, we visited the Cabot Trail, Halifax, Peggy's Cove, um, you name it, in Nova Scotia, we were there to see what they what they had to offer. And, and Nova Scotia has a lot to offer. I encourage you, if, if you have the time and you got a little bit of extra money hanging around and uh, you want to explore this great nation, heck, head west, head east, head north. There's lots to see uh, in this great country. But in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, that's where we were centrally based. Kind of a couple of hours to everything we really wanted to see. It was a great spot. And while we were there... I met a guy who I've come to know as Angry Angus, and my new friend from New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, Angry Angus, joins us on Good Morning Hamilton to share some, I had to bring him on today, to share some popular sayings that you're likely to only hear in the Maritimes, and in particular, Nova Scotia. So let's bring in Angry Angus. Angus, good morning, how are you? Mr. Nick, it is fantastic to be here. I thank you very much. Looking forward to talking to you about the popular sayings we have in Nova Scotia. All right, so we have 10 things that you will likely hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia. And Angry Angus is going to help decipher what they mean. So let's start with number 10. You've made a hodgepodge, a mixture of different stuff. That's not, not really a tough one. Okay, number 10, you've made a hodgepodge. You'll hear that in Nova Scotia. Number nine, what do you got for us on some of the things you're likely to hear someone say in Nova Scotia? Well, someone calls you a hard-looking ticket, you know exactly what you're talking about. If you're a hard ticket, you're causing a wee bit of trouble, like starting the fight. Okay, so probably not a good thing to be called a, a hard ticket. That's probably a no-go zone. You're probably doing something... Well, really naughty, really nasty <laughs> if you're being a hard ticket. That's not something you want to be called. All right, number eight. You cut your toe on the carpet and went arse over kettle, like a somersault, or you, you fell on your arse. All right, so you've, you've fallen. That's, that, that's an easy one. Arse over kettle. I think most Canadians, most people in general, will know what that means. Number seven on the top ten things you're likely to hear someone say, when you're in Nova Scotia, what do you got for us? Angry Angus. Your mother is a bag of nerves after that near miss on the highway this morning. Yeah, nearly crashed your car this morning and your mom is throwing a hissy fit. And rightfully so. What you doing driving like a maniac? Come on, laddie. Okay, so your <laughs> your mom is a little miffed, going a little nuts because you're driving a little crazy. Okay, I understand that. That, that, that makes sense. Your mother is a bag of nerves after that near miss on the highway. Number six, you know you've got a right nice car. This is an easy one. You've got a nice car, simple and to the point. Right? That's easy, right nice car. There's no really deciphering on that one. Okay, we're, we're going through the top ten things <laughs> that you likely will hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia. We're joined by Angry Angus from New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. We're in the top five now, number five. You invite your friends to come over to the beach on Saturday night for a feed of lobster. Aye, you're going to stuff your pie hole with some great Nova Scotian lobster, and your friends are going to do the same. Don't forget to bring the Keiths. I ate a lot of lobster in Nova Scotia. I had a lobster taco, had a lobster roll, 
Had a lobster grilled cheese. I had some lobster in a seafood casserole, which remains one of the top dishes I've ever eaten. Lobster very popular in Nova Scotia. Barrington, Nova Scotia is the lobster capital of Canada. And I think it's Yarmouth. There's another city in Nova Scotia is the lobster Canada of the world. I'm not sure if they're kind of warring with each other. but All right, number four on the top ten things. That you'll likely hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia, Angry Angus, what is number four? You describe that literally bad smell in your basement as being fusty. Right? A, a fusty basement means your basement stinks, it's stuffy, it's musty, it's fusty. Number three, your kid is acting like a fart in a mitten. That's a that's a child who's going a bit bonkers. Yeah, a bit bonkers like They just can't sit still. They're like a fart in a mitten. Okay, your kid is acting like a fart in a mitten. Probably not a good thing. A little restless on this first day of school for those who are attending the Hamilton-Wentworth Public District School Board. You don't want to be a fart in a mitten in class today. Number two on the top ten things you'll likely hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia. My new pal from New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, Angry Angus, going down the list. Number two. You ask your visitors, jeet yet. This is another simple one when you really think about it. Put your mind to it, Mr. Dick. Jeet yet means did you eat anything? Did you eat yet? All right, did you eat yet? You, you're, you got people coming over? Jeet jet is basically what you said. Did you eat yet? That's really shortening it down. All right, number one. Number one on the top ten things that you're likely to hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia. Angry Angus, what is number one? Well, this will probably be my all-time favorite. You're experiencing a severe case of flying axe handles this morning. Aye, this is not a good place to be. If you've got a severe case of the flying axe handles, it means you're pooping something fierce. You've got a severe case of certain diarrhea. Not good at all. Not good to have a severe case of flying axe handles. Okay, that's that's a good point. If you have a... If you have a severe case of flying axe handles, uh, uncontrollable diarrhea, not not a good situation to be in at all. Uh, there you have it. My new pal, new Glasgow, Nova Scotia native, Angry Angus, obviously some Scottish descent, Nova Scotia being New Scotland, and uh, going through the top 10 things you'll likely hear someone say when you're in Nova Scotia. Angry Angus, appreciate the time. Have a fantastic day. Mr. Rick, thank you very much. Good morning, Hamilton. You got to have some fun now and again. Angry Angus, proud Nova Scotian. I got to clarify one thing. I mentioned that Yarmouth, I, I, I kind of was trying to remember what was the lobster capital of the world, because yes, indeed, the lobster capital of Canada is Barrington, Nova Scotia. The lobster capital of the world is Shediac, New Brunswick. So for the record, it is Shediac. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.